Pro Talk with ProTech, digging deep to learn the stories, lessons, and accomplishments of experts in the real estate industry. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Today, we get to meet top real estate agent Karen Briscoe with HBC Group of Keller Williams McLean. It's so nice to meet you, Karen. How are you doing today? Yes, I'm always delighted to talk with another pro in uh, the real estate world. So I'm glad to be a guest on the, the Pro Talk podcast. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so just to kind of get things started, let's hear a little bit more about you. How long have you been in the real estate industry? Well, I actually started out uh, in dirt <laughs> in the early 1980s after college. Uh, I worked for a Travel Crow company in Dallas where we were real estate developers and put in streets and utilities and sold lots to home builders and met my husband in Dallas and had our two kids there. And then his career moved us to the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. metro region. And I was the primary caregiver uh, for our kids for the next dozen so years. Uh, many, a reason why I share that is because many people, many women enter the work, the real estate world from um, being at home. And so I was mostly, I did some part-time work, but when I wanted to get back into the full-time employment, outside the home, I went back into commercial real estate. So I went to work for the Nextel company uh, for Roger Staubach's management company and had the sales and engineering and warehouse offices uh, for account for Nextel. And if you've been in one sales engineering warehouse office, you've been in them all. They're pretty actually pretty much the same. And <laughs> I found it to be extremely boring because the lawyers did all the negotiating and, and it was really just a glorified order taker. And it was during the tech bust. So in the early 2000s, uh, it, the, the market was dot-com bust. And so there was no money in disposition. I've discovered in really any field that's pretty pretty true for real estate. And so I went ahead to go work for Nextel and I didn't really want to do that. And so I, um, someone says, well, why don't you be a residential real estate agent? And in the commercial side, there's a perception that the people on the residential side do all of the, the soft, fluffy, emotional things. <laughs> you know, they're the ones that deal with people with their, um, you know, the highs and lows of, of the personal aspect of buying and selling a home, which is true. Um, but the, the commercial side, I taught me the, what I consider the hard skills. So the negotiations, market knowledge, strategy, and it turns out I actually am really good at both sides. I'm really good at the emotional working with people through a challenging situation or even positive emotion can actually be stressful as well. And and I found that I'm, I was actually very good at it. So that was in 2002. And I, so I've been on the residential side for 18 years. Uh, I met with success very rapidly and was asked by a top agent in, actually she was number 10 in the nation, Sue Huckabee, uh, to become a member of her team as a buyer's agent. Then she asked me to become her partner in 06. And then 08, she passed away, sadly. Um, and that was the same month as the financial market crash. So I set about, I'm a resilient person. I'd lived through, actually, I figure this is the fifth recession I've been through. Uh, so I have a lot of muscle memory about what happens in markets and how to respond, even though they all behave differently, but they have similar attributes. 
And so I, um, in 09, uh, Lizzie Conroy uh, joined me as uh, my as a partner. And then we set about rebuilding the business. And so that's our team now. Okay, great. And so why Keller Williams? Do you have a story on why you decided to join Keller Williams? Yeah, I was uh, with another company with Sue. And I actually was familiar with Keller Williams because of our Texas roots. Um, but I wanted to the cup, the firm we were with was a more local, local regionalized company. And I saw the, the benefits of being in a uh, nat- national, international, now international firm. Uh, but also the, I was read the millionaire real estate agent book. And I'm sure many people have talked about the red book as being the Bible of real estate, but it really spoke to me as treating real estate as a business. Um, because again, I come from the business side and, or, you know, the commercial side, which is definitely very business oriented. And so I saw the benefits of treating it like a business. And so that's, that was the other thing that attracted me as well as the people in the culture. But, uh, so we've been at Keller Williams since 2009. And so do you do any commercial work still, but you're strictly on the residential now, or are you kind of, uh, dip your toes into each? Uh, my, our son is actually a commercial, uh, works for a commercial developer. And so I, I let him take all the commercial business. So we do have an agent on our team that also is is trained in commercial. Uh, it is something that it's like any specialty, right? I mean, you wouldn't go to, um, you know, an orthopedic for a um, something to do with your eye, right? I mean, so it really, to be honest, it it requires having the ongoing knowledge. I have, you know, experience in it, but it's been, you know, a long time ago. So I would trust that with someone that had, that is had feet on the street right now and working in the market is what I would recommend for that. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of keeping up with the current trends and the current, you know, market and things like that. Somebody who's truly an expert um, in the commercial industry. Um, And so what neighborhoods do you service? So I live in McLean and we have for over, you know, 25 years. So it is, it's often happens, <laughs> you know, you uh, real estate agents, the, the, the saying goes, you should list where you live and then you'll take a buyer, uh, help a buyer anywhere uh, you're licensed. So I'm licensed in Virginia. So I guess I could conceivably help a buyer anywhere in Virginia. Um, my business partner, Lizzie Conroy is licensed in DC and Maryland. She went is a graduate from Georgetown and her husband grew up in Maryland. So we can help um, people with (coughs) uh, their real estate needs in the tri area, but um, our focus is the Northern Virginia inside the Beltway, but we do also do inside the Beltway, McLean, Arlington Falls, Church, Alexandria, and then outside Vienna, Oakton, Great Falls. And then we have um, an agent on our team in Reston. And so we, can serve, you know, the, the area. And like mm-hmm. I said, our primary focus is the closer in and we are really more so a luxury brokerage, although we do work in all price ranges. I mean, this year did a $200,000 condo. So we do all price ranges, but because of being in the zip codes we're in, our average price is uh, about a million dollars. So in 2020, we're on track to close a hundred million dollars. And so if you do the math, <laughs> that means we've done a hundred deals at an average of a million dollars all the way up to, I think the most expensive I sold this year was four 
$1.3 million, and then, like I said, a $200,000 condo. Congratulations. Those are some great stats and closing out the year strong. I love that. Yes. Well, it was our, it, we had a 2020 vision in mm-hmm. January, 2020. And then when COVID hit, we were all looking around going, yeah, how is this going to work? And then of course, now what is fa- we have found with COVID, the, the impact on it in real estate has been home is even more important, right? It's, it's your safe haven. It's your sanctuary. It's, it's everything now. It, I mean, it used to be just, you know, live, work and play. Well, now it's live, work and play in school and, and, you know, your exercise and your entertainment and your <laughs> everything. And yeah. so, and also because of us being in, in the area of more space, more single family type um, properties, and it's just natural physical distancing, we've mm-hmm. seen a huge, um, you know, demand and increase for those kind of, those kind of properties. So Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point too, because your home is more than your home now. It's your gym, it's your school, it's your office. It's literally everything now. And we anticipate that trend to continue for quite some time. I think people are going to have long-term memory on this because if you look back at the after 9-11, which is the most similar in terms of really the event impacting people's safety and security needs, um, we've had financial corrections and, you know, other impacts on the market like sequestration and Dodd-Frank and things like that. But the safety security one is something that people really, you know, it goes back to your Maslow hierarchy of needs, your psychology of your <clears throat> yourself. And so we anticipate this is going to last for quite a while because um, people are going to have, want to have a place where they always know that they can go. And so th- this is um, this is good news for residential real estate uh, for our profession for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We can, we can help people with that, meaning that that basic fundamental need. It's a it's a real service. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a good point too because you know when and if COVID goes away one day, I'm not sure that it will just go away, but, you know, we'll have vaccines and things like that. People are still going to be, you know, kind of weary about going out in public and they're still going to be relying on their home more than anything. Well, and it's definitely the environment of work and school going so digital is going to even, there's there, there what we had before is not what we're going to see in the future. I think it's going to be good because we're going to see mm-hmm. a lot more fluidity, fluidity in people's lives. And so they're going to have a lot more flexibility, a lot more choices. And but they're always going to use their home as their base. So that one fundamental will be a core to uh, to people's lives. And uh, I because I think that. Um, you know, people will, just like 9-11, right? People did go back to New York City, right? It wasn't like a forever thing, but it was a long, long uh, recovery for um, for New York City. And, and so we'll see similar things in, in the industries that have been impacted by COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to kind of switch gears here, um, what would you say would be one of the craziest things that you've ever seen in a home? Well, I remember during the, um, you know, the short sale, you know, foreclosure period of the market, you know, there were a lot of, you know, what I would call group housing going on, you know, where people were just 
and individual rooms that were locked. That was really bizarre and, and how people would, you know, sadly strip homes of all their, all the assets to the gunners and everything. That was crazy. Um, probably just a, an antidotical, which I think that you'll appreciate being in the inspection. I remember one of my very first transactions and I had scheduled the inspection. I told the agent and, uh, but I guess the communication didn't get transferred to all the family members. <laughs> and, you know, I rang the doorbell, I walked in, we start working and all of a sudden there's this guy in the shower. We're like going, uh, you know, he's like, what are you all doing here? I'm like, well, what are you doing here? We were, anyhow, so it, it really made me realize uh, all after that, that I always made sure uh, that the house was, you know, quote unquote clear um, before uh, assuming that it was vacant because um, sometimes it, there, there were people that didn't get the message, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you knock a little harder, ring yes. the doorbell. <laughs> hello, 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 yeah, hello, hello, hello. Uh, just make sure that the house is is um, clear before assuming that you're the only ones there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, if I am buying a home, what would you say would be the most important thing that I would need to know? Besides yell really loud when you go into a home. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the most important thing you need to know is that buying a home is for you to live in. Now, there's certainly people that buy homes for investments and then we're going to put that in a completely different category. But when you're buying it to live in, it's not really an investment. I mean, that's been proven. Now, is it a wealth builder and can people build wealth by real estate and home ownership? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is for you to live in. So look at it from that perspective. Uh, there's there's a cost to housing. If you were renting, you would be paying a landlord's mortgage, right? Uh, so you're paying your own mortgage. And so, yay, that's good. Uh, because I think a lot of times people, buyers get caught up in, uh, you know, the, is this a good investment? And particularly when we're in a cycle where we are right now, where prices are rising. And I, I saw this happen in the early 2000 cycle, because in, in from 2001 to 2005, there were five years of double digit appreciation. And the buyers just every year were like, I'm overpaying, I'm overpaying, I'm overpaying. And, and so uh, buyers oftentimes, you know, their focus is on, you know, maybe the one that got away or it's in, on the, I could have bought this one, you know, last year or pre-COVID for this, or they, they get all caught up in that instead of getting, focusing on the that and then at, at the same time to focus on what's real about the real estate okay because in hgtv and all the videos and everything there's a lot of flash and bling and the flash and bling is not real estate um what is real estate is you know i'm sure you have heard you know the core location 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 but also you know the the, the actual structure, you know, what kind of type of real estate it is, you know, square footage, the features to it. Um, those are the things that are going to hold value and create value for how you live. And so I, I really, that's something that I really, when I'm working with buyers, that I, I try to help them see, um, because I, I see sometimes the focus is a little bit on the squirrel or shoddy object syndrome yeah. <laughs> instead of on the things that are going to um, 
be meaningful in the long term? Are the spaces where you want them to be? Are they, you know, uh, something that you can see yourself in for five to 10 years? Um, Uh You know, that that kind of thing. Help visualize that. Absolutely. So you would say um, knowing the value of the home, things that are valuable to you, kind of maybe creating a list of things that you need in a home um, and kind of like the secondary objects, um, setting realistic expectations and kind of looking at the now and not looking at a home that you saw two months ago that you didn't get kind of focusing on this is the house that you're currently in doesn't matter what you saw two months ago. This is the house that you're looking at now. Yeah, because when the market you know, is, is moving rapidly. You have to, you have to get ahead of the market. Um, You have to kind of do real estate agents live in the future appraisers Mm -hmm. and tax assessors. And even Zillow is looking in the past, right? They're like looking back and saying, Oh, this is what happened. This is what happened. And we're working with clients, both buyers and sellers, but the buyers to help them see. um, And when you, uh, when you live that way, then you you can use the past to inform, right? That's what financial advisors yeah. do too, right? They say, you know, past performance is the best indicator of future results, but it's not it's not a guarantee, right? So uh, that that's what a good a good real estate agent can help help a buyer with. Absolutely. Um, and so, same as seller, what would you say would be the most important thing that I would need to prepare for? So market knowledge is the because there is a tsunami of information. I mean, I think it's great when I started out in the profession, this was not, consumers did not have access to this information. And so they relied on the real estate agent, the real estate agent to provide the information. Uh, but the consumer has a lot of information, which I think is good. I am all for consumer uh, being informed. What I find is, is now it's become like a tsunami. So like there's so much information. It's like, how do you discern? Like, is this... Um, data that is available, how does it apply? And then at the same time, how does it apply looking into the future? Because the data is only valuable to the extent that it can help you make a good decision about how you're going to price your home. And price is relative to the things you can't change, right? Location, the structure, um, and the condition, which is something you can change. So it's um, that's where a a, a seasoned professional can help um, you make that decision. Now, I will say when you're in a rising market, uh, even now there are situations where I've seen sellers overprice even in a rising market. Um, but it, it, in a rising market, you can, as a seller, you're, the market, if, if it's moving towards you, it, it, it can, you can sometimes make up for it. Um, but in most cases, sellers benefit from you know, condition for the best show uh, for, we use professional photography and stagers and do everything we can to get that. Cause that first impression, you know, almost all real estate is started. It's kind of like the, 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 um, the dating, you know, apps. I mean, it's like everybody's using the, the real estate apps, like a dating app, right? Swipe left, right, left, right, whatever. Um, and so you want to be in a, you want to position yourself well. You position yourself well in the market by having someone professional who's looking at all of this every day and can help make, help you make that, um, that, those decisions. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of people, you know, selling homes are like, well, what's wrong with my home right now? But it's not about you. It's about those buyers coming in and looking at your home. Your, your home may be great as is for you, but you also need to think of a buyer coming in, looking at the home and visualizing themselves in the home. Yes, I had this happen recently. A, a seller, um, she really loved her paint color. <laughs> and so, the, you know, the first thing the buyer is going to do is paint. Well, the, the fascinating thing is, is that I sold her the house in 09. And that was when I bought the house we live in right now. And I realized, you know what, I haven't changed my paint color since 09 either. And I really love my paint color, but it is not modern, right? It's It's lost its, you know, appeal because it's 11 years old. And I was like, okay, so kind of like do as I say and not as I do. I was like, I need to start freshening up my house, right? So this is very common. I mean, this is what sellers, you know, do. They're happy at home and they're happy with their home. Um, but as you said, it, it, it's going to appeal to more, a, a broader buyer pool if it is in, um, you know, in, in shows in a condition that is going to appeal to more more people. Yeah, absolutely. Let them pick the color. It's not up to you at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, most most times, you know, it's the, the grayish, you know, the mm -hmm. beige gray, um, just because it's neutral. And then people are like, okay, I can live with this for now if I have to, and I'll decorate, you know, mm -hmm. you know, as I have time. But if it's, you know, bright blue, <laughs> then you you may uh, may want to rethink that so that it'll you'll at least be able to have the buyer focus on the house instead of on the pink color. That's what you want the buyer to do. You want them to focus on the house and you want to be the best one out there. You want to be the next one that buys in your category, whatever it is, your location, your price point, your type of house. You want to be the next one that buys. So I know sellers sometimes say, oh, all real estate agents, they just want to sell fast because it makes your job easier. I'm like, yeah, I want it to sell fast because it's going to make your life easier too. I, the sellers often don't understand the wear and tear of having a home on the market, particularly with COVID. And the other aspect of it is longer houses on the market, then it's a buyer perception. It's not my perception, it's a buyer perception. There must be something wrong because just intuitively buyers think, well, if somebody else didn't buy it, then by virtue of that, there's already something wrong with it. Well, there could be nothing wrong with it. It just is the, the, mar the market's perception. So. Um, and then buyers start incrementally discounting uh, yeah. based on on the length of, that a home is on the market. So it's in the seller's best interest. It's really, uh, although it appears that it's uh, the agent that's doing it for themselves, it's really for the seller. Yeah, you want to sell it while it's at its peak. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, there's been so many studies. I mean, that's why all the sayings of, you know, the first offer is the best offer and statistically and all of that is... Um, the other reason why that's the case is that there's a pool of buyers ready, willing, and able to buy at any point in time for everything, really, even in the bottom of the real estate market, I promise you, I was there. I, I saw it. We can make the market move. Um, a lot of in the short sales and foreclosures, the, the, the documents are required to, to drop the price every two weeks by a certain percentage. And we, you knew when the market was found because the phone started ringing. I always say that. I always know when it's priced correctly, the phone rings. And, um, and so even in those markets, there were buyers ready to buy, but they're, they, were, they're, they were waiting for a price that would 
attract them to make a, a decision. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and talk to me about, you know, the current market. Um, I know you have been a little bit, but how would I know when the best time to buy or sell would be? Is there really a good time <laughs> or is there a bad time? <laughs> Again, if you're buying for your personal residence, you should buy when it's the right time for you. And there are buyers right now that are like going, oh my gosh, prices are rising. I'm like, well, that's actually a good thing because since 2005, when the market peaked, then we had yeah. a couple of flat years. Then we had the correction in 08 and then 09. Yeah. And then we've been recovering. I say we, the Northern Virginia metro region has been recovering since then. There's been a little bit of appreciation, but only two times in the time period from 2010. So in the last decade, two times it's been over uh, 5%. Well, 4 to 5% is supposed to be normal. So we have not been, the market has been recovering. Uh -huh. It has not been appreciating. It's been practically flat for a decade. I mean, we should be appreciating. I mean, this is a good thing. And it's a good thing for the buyers because uh -huh. um, it shows that we're, the market is fully recovered and it's ready to appreciate. So there's a couple of, of ways to know where it is. You know, you can look at what peak prices were for a zip code or for a type of house or a location or a street. That's one way to know where we are in the market. We could very well be seeing, as what happened after 9-11, where we had the five years of double-digit appreciation, we could be on a similar cycle. Now, that was a completely different time period. We have much stricter lending guidelines, although we have much lower interest rates. And then we obviously are living in COVID, which is a completely different um, economic situation as well. But at the same time, with such low supply, uh, supply and demand are like gravity. So when uh -huh. supply is high, you know, and demand is low, then you have prices correcting. And when you have demand high and price and supply low, you have prices rising. And until supply and demand even get balanced, we're going to be in a rising market. So we could be in a rising market for several years. I mean, we're, I just was on a, a mastermind where they were talking about how, you know, the effects of COVID are going to be at least through 2023. Yeah. So this is not going to go away fast. And so uh, I think that we're going to be now, we could have other things that will impact. Obviously, there's so many things that could happen. But in the real estate space, I anticipate a several years of, of rising prices. So if you're a buyer, you should buy now because you'll be buying on the way up, right? Warren Buffett says, buy on the way up or buy on the way down, but nobody times it exactly. If you're a seller, I would say the same thing on the other side. I was like, if you're, I talked to a seller this morning who's going to move to, to North Carolina. And I go, okay, I, I can't tell you exactly the day it's going to peak. I, I know we're in a great peaking cycle right now. No one knows how long it's going to last. But if you're going to North Carolina, your cost of living's going way down. You're going to make your arbitrage move that way, right? So, you know, it'll sell for a good price right now. You, I know that for pretty, pretty sure about that. Um, but you're going to make it up on the other side. So helping people see making these decisions more based on, you know, if, if this is the right time in your life, so many move decisions are based on life events. And I, I was like, let's focus on that and then figure out how to, to best do that for your needs. Yeah. And that's a very interesting set, uh, stat that you were saying, um, 20, is it 2023 or 2024? 
Yeah, at least, well, if you think about it, it's 2021, Mm -hmm. the beginning of hopefully having a vaccine. But it will also be going first to, you know, medical care people. They're going to get the schools open. So it's going to go to those people. It's going to take at least a year or two for that. And then really the economy is not going to be fully open until the world is open, right? Because we are a very... In a, as you as was evident when the whole thing shut down, mm-hmm. particularly the DC metro region, because we have so many, you know, State Department, Foreign Service, people that are moving around. So, um, so that would be 2022. Mm-hmm. And then 2023 would be, you know, hopefully the whole world is, is in a place. So yeah, that we're looking at several years. Yeah, that's an interesting point, too. I listen um, to Elliot in the morning on DC 101 pretty much every morning while I'm driving to work. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're actually just talking this morning about how I think the prediction for the market is that uh, not just in real estate, just as a whole, um, that everything pretty much won't be getting completely back to normal until 2025. That was their prediction. Oh, wow. They're saying, yeah, if you're talking about like travel and and even travel will never go back the same in the sense that... With the technology that everybody is now, you know, expedited for Zoom and meetings, a lot of business travel is going to be reevaluated. And even people are going to evaluate personal travel because, you know, there's going to be a lot of memory of what happens if, you know, something shut locks down and I'm in a country and I can't get out. Um, so that people are going to remember that for, for quite some time. There, there was another uh, research study about how. I mean, the good aspects to this, right, is that it advanced technology like a decade. Mm-hmm. I mean, the things that that we were they that the people in the technology space were predicting would take a decade uh, to to make happen are, are are happening right now. And I'll just say, some things have happened that no one ever would have thought would happen. Like my my parents, who are in their late eighties, would never have bought anything online ever. Mm-hmm. Ever, ever, ever. But when Walmart started offering free delivery for online purchases, my parents don't go to a store. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a, a paradigm shift mm-hmm. that for a demographic that we would never have expected to change. Because Absolutely. people, by the time they're in their you know, last quarter of life, don't change. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yet they did. And so there, there are things that are impact the market um, positively. Uh, you know, I think there's positive benefits to it. traffic. Um, there, you know, there was a lot of uh, conversation about how before COVID, how can we just get them to not go to work all the time? <laughs> right? <And> so, <laughs> well, that, that, I figured that out. So now they just got to figure out, okay, when we do send people back to work, do we send 50% of the people back to work, like trade off, whatever, so that we don't then you know overload the the roads again so it's it's and that's an interesting point yeah Yeah, absolutely my um my great grandmother she actually died during covid not related to covid but um she died a few months ago and she was 103 and so she was doing walmart uh like the grocery pickups where you go sit in your parking spot and they put the groceries in and she could not get over that that was a thing for the longest time. She would talk about it every time I saw her. See, I'm telling you, can you imagine someone a hundred years old changing the way they do with buying? I mean that it, because most, most um, 
commerce looks at what do the young people are doing, right? Mm -hmm. Under the age of 30, well, really 20 are usually the first movers uh, for things, but definitely then under 30. But they never look to the 100-year-olds going, what well, we can get them to change? <laughs> can we get them to change? And that is huge. I mean, it, it, we've made, um, you know, a lot of positive uh, mm -hmm. things have come out um, of this, you know, event that is definitely very impactful in a lot of ways. But it, in the same ways, we can look at how we can um, make this uh, be beneficial to people. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We're doing a podcast over Zoom right now. Yes. That we do that. <laughs> well, actually, I my podcast, I started in 20, um, so three years ago, so 2017. So I was, I was one of those first movers. I saw podcasting. The reason why I, I'm an author of three books and I saw podcasting because I thought, oh, I'm going to go out and speak at offices. And, and then I saw, which was really fun. I enjoyed it, but it was so time intensive. It was so labor intensive. Mm -hmm. And so I was someone, I started getting asked to be a guest on podcast, being an author. And I saw that I, my, my book sales went up and I was like, Oh, well, that's, that's easy. I'll have a podcast. And so uh, yes, it, it has definitely exploded as well. Podcasting webinars. Um, I, I think there's still people are going to want to be together. I'm not saying that that's going to go away completely, but we have a lot of things we can do uh, well with technology. Yeah. And let's dive a little bit deeper into those fun facts about you. Do you want to talk about your book and your podcast or your three books and your podcast? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the first book, Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day, uh, that came about, you know, after rebuilding the business after the market crash. And um, and many people said, well, how'd you do it? Right. And so I'd started speaking and coaching and training. And, and I, I would share with people, I was like, well, you know, read this book, do this training, whatever. And, and invariably I heard over and over again, people didn't have enough time. And mm -hmm. I said, well, do you have five minutes a day? And that is, it turns out to be a proven habit formation uh, to, to kind of break through that resistance of thinking you don't have enough time. So it, it's a, the first book, Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day, which I call my big book. Um, it is designed to be a daily reader. And so every day you read a page and then it has a takeaway. Uh, so when I wrote the book originally, my, I, the publisher, I was like, well, I want every day to be different because real estate agents are like other sales people and entrepreneurs. They, they like that shiny object. They want every day to be, you know, oh, I'm going to wake up. What am I going to do today? And he said, yeah, but you have to have a structure because it's got to be, you know, um, a purpose to this. And I was like, okay, well, the structure is the first component is commit to get leads. So everybody does some sort of lead generation, business development, prospecting, right? If you don't have a lead, you don't have anything to do. So your job one is to get a lead. And then the next one is consult to sell. Some people call that conversion. So that is a way to take the lead through the process. So in real estate, we buy and sell, have people buy and sell houses and inspection services. You help people inspect their houses. And then um, what happens oftentimes is salespeople, entrepreneurs, they get on this only as good as their next deal, this kind of hamster wheel. And I'm like, you should do things in your business to connect, to build and grow, to create sustainable, scalable, ongoing enterprise leverage. And that's the connect, build and grow. Then everybody who's successful has its mindset motivation component. I call that success thinking activities and vision. So you have a vision for what you want in your business and life. You think about how to do it and then you do the actions. And that all leads to the sweet spot of success. So that's the big book. 
uh, what happened when I, the book came out, I had a lot of people say, oh my gosh, it's such a big book. And I'm like, yeah, but you're only reading a page a day. Why do you care? And <laughs> they're like focused on, I thought the wrong thing. So I, the next book is Commit to Get Lead 66 Day Challenge. So that's a, a small book, 66 days to just dive into lead generation business development. And then I've got another one coming out soon on Consult to Sell the same way. And then the, uh, the third book, Flip Time, Love Life, it's a heroine's journey. It's a story uh, told about a character named Haley who has a great life, but then she realizes she's called to do something more. Um, in the, the Joseph Campbell literature about a heroine's journey, um, it's called a call to adventure, but it could also be a call to contribution or a call to creativity. So it's a story. And it actually has Flip Time Love Life has a theme song. I actually uh, this year um, commissioned a song to be written. So I have a song. So you go to you could go to the website Five Minute Success, which is the number five, and you can see the books. You can see more about the podcast. So the podcast, as I mentioned, has been up since 2017, over 300 episodes. I've had some amazing uh, conversations and interviews, and over 100. 50,000 downloads. So it's highly ranked was overcast number one, most recommended business. And you can get the books on Amazon, or if you want bulk, I can, and Audible, or if you want bulk, I can, I can help you with that. And um, the, uh, the real estate side <laughs> uh, is also, I can, I can help with people's real estate needs as well. Yeah, I love that. It sounds like you have a lot of success with it. And we actually have a book club over here at ProTech. Um, ah. so have to check that out. And you said it's available um, on the website, Five Minute Success. Um, is there any other way that people could get it if they were interested? Amazon, anything like that? Yes. I mean, Amazon, Kindle, Audible, they're all on that. If you want just, you know, one copy, if you wanted to get a bulk of copies, I can certainly help you with that. Um, and then the social media, Five Minute Success is the number Five Minute Success on on all the social Instagram, Facebook, and all of that. But the, my, my real estate side is uh, the HBC group of Keller Williams, uh, Karen Briscoe. Perfect. And so obviously, um, you know, with real estate um, and just like you and your journey um, as a whole, what would you say would be, uh, you know, your favorite thing about the industry? Do you have a one specific thing that um, kind of stands out to you as your favorite thing? It's definitely the fact that we're, I feel so honored and blessed to be a part of people's lives and what is oftentimes a very significant um, moment, you know, transaction and the positive life events like, you know, marriage and having children, even getting a dog. I've find people when they're, they get a dog, they need a yard or whatever, um, or, you know, just need more space for right now. We're seeing a lot of that for their growing family or the family that's coming back that they thought had left and now they're coming back. And then, you know, the challenging times in life, you know, the death, the divorce, um, when people are, uh, you know, having things happen in their lives, we're, we're very um, involved in. And, and again, that goes back to the my very beginning of my story about the difference between the commercial side and the residential side. I, I love being part of people's lives and part of the community and, and making that contribution. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then, so do you prefer working um, with buyers or sellers? Do you have a preference? I know some people do. <laughs> well, most mega agents like I am are listing agents because mm -hmm. you, you list to last and listings create more opportunity. 
So I would say my focus, my business focus is, uh, is listings. Uh, my, I do love buyers. I started out as a buyer's agent in the beginning, like the first three or four years, I only worked with buyers and I do love working with buyers. Um, so I, I do do both uh, types of business. Um, and I, I really feel like it is a, when somebody gives me the privilege of helping them with their real estate needs, I feel, I feel very honored. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and do you have any goals for the next five years? I know it's kind of a loaded question right now because nobody has a crystal ball. Um, but do you have any big plans? Oh my goodness. Oh, there's always more. I mean, 2020, we commissioned the song flip time, love life. Uh, the next book will be coming out the, um, the next 66 day challenge book, uh, consult to sell. And I, there will be more of those books because there's uh, a lot of, of the, the topics that I can pull that out. And there, there could be more books of the five minute success series with the for other industries, because what I discovered uh, in the, all of the podcasting I've done is that the um, the principles apply to other professions and other industries, and so I can see how how expanding that portfolio of books uh, would be valuable for um, to do that. And I really uh, have have kind of gotten the author bug, so I, I see yeah. more books coming out. Um, my son just got married, <laughs> and Aww. so that's very exciting. And so I'm helping them buy their first home. So there you go. You see, I even believe in real estate so much that I'm right now focused on helping my son buy his first home. Our daughter uh, just sold her house in Austin, and she does technology for an insurance company, and has gone completely remote. And so she's traveling the United States um, for a year. And so I'm planning on connecting up with her. Um, and we're all are on, on a couple of, of travels, but connecting up with her and spending some time with her. I love to, I love to travel. And this year has been focused on the United States. <laughs> In the past, we've traveled all over the world and I'm a big biker. So I love to bike and do a triathlons. And so I, I look forward to doing more, more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that. Um, so moving on, let's say that I am your next prospective client. Why should I call you other than that? You're clearly an expert writing all <laughs> these books and you clearly have a lot of knowledge. Um, but why would you say that I should call you? Well, yes, we have covered very, uh, a lot of it. I do feel that there's lots of great professionals out there. So I, I certainly recognize that um, it is a very um, competitive field and many people know many agents. Uh, most people hire me because of my market knowledge and my strategy and my negotiations. Um, we certainly have the services of Stager and we have great marketing people, but I feel like what the the seller needs to know is how to price the home correctly, how to position the home correctly, and then how to respond when the offers come, right? And mm -hmm. negotiate accordingly. And then on the buy side, kind of the, the reverse, right? Um, so when I, I sell my value proposition, when I meet people, uh, that's what I focus on. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm going to attract that type of person who wants that. So uh, it, it, there's... Um, those are, those are my skill sets. I, if you look to other really successful people in this space, like Barbara Corcoran, you know, she was known for the Corcoran report in New York city. I mean, that's how she built her empire. And so I've had a market study report that I've published in the connection newspaper quarterly for a decade. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really do find that, uh, that's something that I'm, I'm well known for. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so did you want to give um, your phone number, email? I know you gave some social media handles. You want to go back over that so people um, can follow you, find you, reach out to you. Yeah. So again, remember, it's the number five minute success. And that's pretty much all the handles. And then email is Karen at five minute success.com. Uh, and then for real estate, it's HBC group at Keller Williams. So it, that is the website or HBC group KW and emails Karen at HBC group KW.com. And uh, really, I'm very Googleable. Honestly, <laughs> if you Google my name, you're going to find I take up the first couple of pages, which is I, which is a great thing about media. You know, it's interesting when I started entering media, the media world, the media space about three and a half years ago. Well, actually, no, it was before that because I started being on podcasts as soon as my book came out and my book just had its fourth birthday. So about four and a half years ago, I had no idea the impact. I, you know, I, I just felt like it was the next place where we were going and I wanted to be a part of it. And, um, so that's that's one of the beauties of being a media <laughs> person. I don't know how you found me, but maybe that was it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, she's a author, a realtor, an expert. Find her, Google her, reach out. Yes, yes, all those. <laughs> well, Karen, thank you so much. It was so nice, uh, you know, getting to know you. I hope everybody can find this valuable and we'll have to, you know, follow up with you uh, next year or so and just kind of see where you are. Sounds good. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow ProTech Inspection Services on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.